welcome everyone to another nice year. Welcome to week five. Congratulations on getting this far. Only one more week until the um, intra-tri break, so just keep on going. I almost made it there. Um, so my name's Jed Morrison. I'm a member of the CU. And so the CU is an organisation um, of Christians on campus who are keen to get the word of God out there to, to the other Christians and the people that we interact with. And um, so these Connect Nights are a chance for us all to come together and hear about God's word. It's a pretty exciting night tonight because we're starting a new series on the Psalms. And um, yeah, Psalms are really amazing, so I hope you guys are all keen for that. Um, we've got, and now, if I can ask Dan up to read our Bible verse for today. Alright, Psalm 145, a psalm of praise of David. I'll exalt you, my God the King. I'll praise your name forever and ever. Every day I'll praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty and I'll meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works and I'll proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Well, good evening, everyone. Oh, yes, that's good. Let's try it again. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Woo! Okay, everyone's awake. Yes. A uh, couple of things you need to have. You need to have this sheet. If you don't have one of these sheets here, put your hand up. We can get you one. You also need a pen. If you don't have one of these, ask a friend. James's excuse, he didn't even know a student. Has he got a pen? No, he's okay. But get a pen somewhere. Ask, like, you know, I've got a pen here. I've got a pen here. Here's a pen. Here's a pen. Who's boss? Anyone know this pen? Okay. And now, obviously, uh, Jed, Jed's spoken of. Jed's spoken about this, uh, his, uh, hello. Would you like a pen? I have one. Very good. Oh, hello, Dan. Yeah, you need, to, you need to fill this out if you'd like to keep connected with us. Uh, if you have any questions, any comments, tick the appropriate box. And obviously, you need to have this open. Very, very important uh, to be able to engage with the Psalms. It's, the Psalms is what we're doing uh, this for the next couple of weeks. Obviously, we're having a break next week. We're here for those of us, but for others, we're going to be working our butts off. Um, but a question to start is, what, what, would, what would it take for someone to passionately be promoting something or championing something in life? What's going to take to be so, to someone to be so passionate about something 
they're going to be always championing it, seeing its praises. Uh, for instance, if you, if you watch any uh, daytime television or really bad daytime or really bad nighttime television on the right there, Daniel Stecker, anyone heard that before? Like the infomercial stuff, like as seen on TV, like that kind of, that, those, those products, uh, things like they, they try and see the, the abdominizer. You know, you'll get a six pack in like less than one week. Doesn't work, mate. Doesn't, you try it. <laughs> or, um, you know, the mattress. That you, that you lay on your, you know, you lay, and, it, and it gives you sleep, the best sleep you'll ever have like that. Uh, or the, you know, or the, or the product that, you know, you, you, the underwear you wear, it turns you into from a size 10 to a size 5, just like that without any dieting. Or you can eat whatever you want and it just shrinks you down. Like, that's the, the infomercials, right? And these people on these, on these ads, they're, they're, you should try it, James. Yeah. You know, the people, the, you, you probably got one on right now. No, no, just, just kidding. No, just kidding. But you know the, the the thing is these people have got are doing uh, got these products they're convinced these these this is so beneficial that they're convinced on the television to buy to get you to buy this product because it yields benefits it changes lives these guys are singing the praises of these products. Um, if you know anything about English Premier League, has anyone watched the football like soccer football? No, yeah. or, like, you know the bottom yes. left the bottom left picture like you know English Premier League fans football fans, they're like fanatical. They're full-on guys. If you say one bad thing against Manchester United or Liverpool, like this is a brawl between those two teams, uh, it's not even the team members, it's actually the, the supporters, right? If you say one bad thing, you, you know, you're lucky you're going to walk out alive, right? That's how fanatical they are. It's a loyal institution. And, uh, you know, maybe you could say the same thing about if you go to the Cats game, you say one bad thing against a Cats supporter, you may you might not walk out alive, maybe, because they, they love their team, right? When, they, when their team wins... They sing the team song. Do you sing the team song, James? When you when no, but people sing the team song. Okay, when they win, when cats win the game, that's exciting. What's it going to take for someone to be passionate enough to promote something in life? Is it going to is it is it because that yielded a good result for them, a good benefit? Was it a positive experience? Is it loyalty, a love for something? And how do we see this passion expressed uh, in life? And perhaps here, even in this psalm, Psalm 145. And, uh, uh, we, you know, we, we're doing just four psalms of 150 psalms that are written in the Bible. The, the, these books are on your table. But there's 150 psalms available for you to read. And you should probably go out and read them. But we're only doing four. And uh, I think the Bible, we think the Bible is, you know, this book full of heavy commands. It's, uh, it's all about God and what he does and... Which is true, yes, that's right. And uh, you know, and, and he's he's judging people. He's he's really rough on people. But you know, there are some other parts of literature, other literature, other parts of the world that have this extra kind of other kind of literature, like poetry, like songs, that people lament as a form of expression to God. These people wrote these psalms, they're passionate about God. They're being passionate towards God, sharing the their, their joys, their highs, but also their lows, their deepest, darkest moments. And so in Psalm 145, you, you can see that this person here is praising God for his character, his goodness, his righteousness to him in his life. And there's no doubt, right, when you read this, when you, when you reflect on it, it's, it's, the, it's the guy's passionate about God. There's no doubt about it. And so what I, what I want us to kind of think hard about from, from tonight is that 
we read this, we, we want to be convinced that God, he is so amazing, he is so gracious and compassionate, that we should be so compelled to praise him to people around us, but also so that they could praise God as well. That's what the author here is convicted of when he wrote this psalm. Um, you look at the top here of, of, of this sheet here or in your Bible, if you've got a Bible there. What's it say? It says, a psalm of praise of David. That doesn't happen. It happens a bit. It doesn't happen for every single psalm. Um, that here we're given the author. It's important to read that top one. A psalm of, da- a psalm of praise of David. Now, who's David? Who's David? King David. Thanks, Tam. What did he do? Who's he? What's, what's, what's so good about him? He was the king of the Jews. Yep, of, of Israel, the Old Testament, yes. What else? Jews. Jews, yeah. What else? What else did David do? He defeated Goliath. Yeah, okay, David and Goliath, right? How, how did he defeat, defeat Goliath? With a slingshot. With a slingshot, with a little, like, pebble, right? And Goliath's like, you know, he's tall and he's really short and small and he just slings his slingshot and... He beats him. Anyway, he, he, he fights on behalf of Israel against the enemies of God, the Philistines, and he wins, right? And anyway, and he sends, he, he, he projects uh, Israel into, uh, into to becoming a great nation. He sets, it, he sets it up to become a great nation, and eventually it will reach its peak uh, in Solomon. Um, so in verses 3 to 7 here, um, there are some things here that we learn about what David is saying uh, about God. And we, as we're going to read later, we're going to learn about also a bit about more about David and his experience too of God. But there are things in verses 3 to 7 in this, in this section here that he's saying about God to describe his experience of God. Verse 3, he has a greatness that no one can fathom. No one can understand God. Uh, verse 5, he's got glorious splendour of majesty. In verse 7, there is abundant goodness and righteousness in God. That's like, that's like grandiose, big picture, big language about God. That's David's experience of God. That's what he thinks of God. You know, so in other words, right, David's expressing that there is no end to God's greatness. There is no end. There's, it's, it's bottomless. There is nothing more beautiful or more magnificent than God himself. More than anything that we'll ever experience. There's that overflowing wealth of goodness of his integrity that outstrips anything that we could ever, ever think that could be good. Yeah, if you thought like, you know, a mountain, climbing a mountain or doing a hike, was something that you've done that's great? It's nothing compared to God. If you thought that the sunset over the ocean was the most beautiful thing you've ever seen, it's nowhere near as majestic as God compared to him. If you thought a person's heroic act or an act of kindness could out, could out good or, or out, outdo God's goodness, it's nowhere near as good as God himself. Because these kind of descriptions of God about his character wouldn't mean anything if it weren't backed up by actions, wouldn't it? 
And so you see here that there are some, in these same verses, in verse 3 to 7, uh, some, some actions that are described by God to confirm his character. Again, have a look with me. In verse 4, <clears throat> you know, there, God has shown his mighty acts. Verse 5, David mentions God's wonderful works. Verse 6, God's awesome works and great deeds are evident. Verse 7, God's righteousness is mentioned, his righteous acts. And so I think it'd be very hard for David to convince other people to sing the praises of God, like in this psalm, if God wasn't the amazing, infinite and powerful God who was capable of doing these mighty and wonderful acts in the world. All you've got to do, not only just read the psalm, but you've got to read the Old Testament. You've got to read the Bible to learn about what God has done through Israel's history. And so if, if you and I were to have a, <clears throat> have a passion, a general love and passion for expressing praise to God, for acknowledging Him, to, for, for saying that He's amazing, then I want to be able to reflect on a personal encounter that I had or experience I had uh, of God, which would lead me to sing praises to Him. And so in verses 8 to 16, which is our next section here, 8 to 16, we're exploring a deeper, kind of fleshed out uh, understanding about what it is about God that is so amazing. And uh, in this section here, I think it's about how deep God is being gracious and compassionate to people. The, The gracious and compassionate nature of God, which again, deserves the highest praise. Look at verses 8 and 9 for me. I'll read it for you. It says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Um, just a quick pop quiz. Does anyone recognise where those two lines would have been mentioned in the Bible, in the Old Testament particularly? Does anyone... Does that, does that ring any bells? Does that, does, that, does that throw back to anywhere people know about? What were the lines Sorry? Verses lines? 8 and 9 about... God, the Lord being gracious and compassionate. Anyone know? Any ideas? I'll give you a clue. It was during uh, the Exodus in, in the Old Testament. Um, is it near the Ten Yeah, it's in the desert. When, when Israel were in the desert and God was giving them the law. Okay? And so, so David is throwing back here to that time in Israel's history, how the Lord was gracious and compassionate. Um, And and later on, we're going to learn a bit more about how the Lord is also compassionate and gracious towards him. And so, you know, think back to the Exodus. If you've ever seen um, the movie The Prince of Egypt, that's that's like a Disney film. Does anyone know what I'm talking about there? Not The Lion King, but The Prince of Egypt. And um, one of the things um, that happens in in the Exodus is is those, those plagues, right? The mighty plagues of God on Egypt, and that and those those things like the the, the frogs and the plagues, uh, the boils, sorry, and the the darkness, all that stuff. There was ten of them, um, which then allows uh, Israel to be able to escape from Egypt. So God intervenes there miraculously with His mighty acts, wonderful works, of uh, bringing out people under the slavery of the Egyptians, or particularly of Pharaoh. And so, I think that, and then it climaxes when 
the people enter through the Red Sea. Remember that? The sea parts and, 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 and the people enter through that. But then, you know, Israel in the desert, after seeing all that stuff, all that amazing stuff that God did in the desert, in, in Egypt, sorry, and they're in the desert, they still reject God. They turn their back on him, don't they? And somehow Israel makes that mistake, even though they saw all that stuff. Now, God would have every right to end the relationship and say, well, that's enough. See you later. He would have every right to wipe me out. But he doesn't do that, does he? He doesn't do that. He does the opposite. He's slow to anger. He's rich in love. He has compassion on all that he has made. And perhaps, you know, David, he reflects on his own life. He's made some mistakes too. You know, he, one of the biggest things that he, he does, you might know this, one of the biggest things that, you know, he, he has sex with uh, another man's wife, a soldier, uh, and he tries to hide it by, take, by putting that soldier on the front lines of the battle to get him killed so he wouldn't find out about it. You know, David realises, oh, gee, that was, that was actually rejecting God. That, that's, that's, that's living a way that's not in line with what God would have me do. And, and I've seen this amazing thing that God has done and I've rejected him. God, you know, could have ended that relationship with David. Sorry, see you later. But he doesn't do that, does he? He does the opposite. Slight anger, rich in love. He is compassionate on him, including David. Friends, you might be reflecting on this and on yourself. You know, is this, a, is this a song worth singing praises to God for? Yeah, absolutely. Even though David's actions, uh, he, he, his stuff-ups, have consequences for the kingdom, you know what ultimately affect the kingdom of God here? Verses 11 and 13, God's kingdom, the future kingdom that, we've, that, that hasn't arrived yet, it will arrive in the future. It's the place that God will rule, rule and dwell. Uh, it's not affected by what David has done. Instead, it's not, it's not corrupted. It remains not corrupted. It's a kingdom that's out of this world. It's, it's the rule of God that is perfect. And so God is so gracious. He's so compassionate to allow even one person to step foot into that kingdom. Which David, I think, will be a part of because he has submitted in humility to God, as it says here in verse 14. And so God continued to be gracious. He continues to be compassionate towards David by allowing people to submit to him through humility. So, you know, not only does David get to submit to God in verse 20, but he acknowledges also that God will deliver justice to those who will oppose God's people. You see... The mighty acts of God, the wonderful acts of God, includes graciousness and compassion, but also righteous justice on his enemies. And I wonder if that is something, if that is something you've personally reflected on in your life. You know, you, you might have experienced you know, a spiritual awakening or, or, or something amazing that God has done in your life. You know, the the breath in your lungs as we speak, the brains to study at uni, the clothes on your back, the food on the table, the food we're going to have tonight. And like Israel, like David, I think there are times where we, 
We don't always live in such a way that appreciates, acknowledges God, who has been involved in our lives from the very beginning. And so we see in the Bible in history that God is gracious. He's compassionate towards people because he sends, which I think is the greatest act, the mightiest act, he sends Jesus to die, to be right, to be risen again back to life. And that's the, that's the greatest act that I think we'll ever, ever see. And I wonder if this psalm is expressing how you're feeling towards God right now. Are you genuinely thankful? Are you genuinely thankful to him who has been compassionate and gracious towards you and that he'll perform righteous justice on the world? Maybe another way of asking is, what is your attitude of thankfulness in life? Especially in respect to what God has done for you. What has he given to you? He's given us everything, hasn't he? Because, because what I want to look at now is how should our thankfulness to God translate to the way we should respond? And so God, you know, he's done some amazing things, the amazing thing through Jesus, but he's also been gracious and compassionate. He's, he's enacted justice. And so if we understand these incredible things, it should draw us closer to God. But how should we respond? Um, I want to take, take a moment now. I'm going to have a break. I'm just talking your on your little table, maybe you two join this table over here, or Stephen also that a table there. Have a chat about, um, we're going to think about like, you know, like life hacks, but life hacks for uni students. So here's a scenario. Pretend uh, you have a friend or a relative who's about to start university next year. They're going to be our first year student. What are some of the things that you would share? What are the life hacks that you would share to that first year student who's about to start up uni next year? Okay? Talking your tables. Go. Alright, let's let's uh let's let's wrap up the conversation. That was a quick minute, wasn't it? Okay. Well who was more, who was the liveliest table? Probably this table here. No, we'll start this table over here. What what's some uh, what's some what's some uh, life hacks? What's some life tips to to help people be a better uni student? Stay at home. Don't go to uni. Are you serious? You'll tell a first year student? About to walk on campus, go home. Go to see you. No, I meant not stay at home. I meant to keep living at home with your parents. Oh, that's that's so. Nah, you set me up there, hey. Yeah. So, uh, st- still live at home while you are a student. Yeah. And the the, the fellas at the back are probably laughing at us right now, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. This. What? You guys, all right? Yeah, we're good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Same with the guys. What's what's one from you guys? From you guys, a couple here. Yeah. Paul, life Paul tips. A good one. Balance life. Enjoy life. Enjoy life. Don't study too hard. Okay. So, yep. Any other ones? You don't need to go to uni to get a good job. You don't need to go to uni to get a good job. So you tell a first year student, don't go to uni to get a good job. <laughs> Yeah, because you're not at uni, James. Good on you, mate. Yeah, good on you. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Uh, we've, got, we've got the back table here. What's some uni tips? Uni life tips? Shop at Fruit Shack. Shop yes. at Fruit Shack. Okay. Everyone knows what Fruit Shack is, right? The fruit shop. Uh, sorry, and, and uh, can we just... Can you explain why, why shop at Fruit Shack? Sorry, I didn't hear that. It's cheaper. Cheaper, yep. Um, I mean, the vegetables don't look as pretty as the supermarket, but it's just good. Okay, so you're still going to get fresh fruit and veg, 
So you're not going to dive scurvy from being at uni. Yeah, cool. Okay, great. This table here. Don't hesitate to make friends. Like everyone else in your course is also scared. Oh, okay. Yep. So don't don't be shy. Yeah. Go and make friends. Okay. Yep. Any other any other blaring? This. Sorry. You want you want to? Would you like to share one, sir? At the back here. Are you still at uni? Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Okay. As in, if you fail a subject or an assignment, something like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so people discouraged generally is that what so, so <laughs> don't be discouraged okay oh, I had a few can I share a few yeah, yeah okay um, maybe an exa- another one example is like you've got to massage your timetable into two days is that is that a thing but then you don't study when you're at home yeah so you don't come into uni isn't that a thing don't you guys tell each other like well you've got to sort of coming for an hour a day each day just, just do it into like two days. Is that a thing? Yeah. Oh, so that that so so I think for the for the benefit of, you can get a job, like a part time job or something. That's is that the idea, isn't it? Okay. The other one was I thought um, you got to go to O'Day to get all your free stationery for the year. Yeah. Does anyone? Why did anyone say that? All the free vouchers and stuff. I even got money at, at, at O'Day this year. That was amazing. <laughs> no, you just have to sign up for your account. Like, anyway, yeah, Tanya. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Yep. Oh, so get get good grades so and get a scholarship. You'll tell a first year student that. <laughs> Isn't that a bit like no? no yeah, for postgraduate, yeah. Now, guys, this is like this is like special information, isn't it? This is special information that you're sharing. If you, you probably know, you might know some first years coming through next year, maybe, and do share some of the information. It's special information that you want to share to the next generation of uni students because you don't you don't want them to be worse off or, or to do what you did and made mistakes and, you know, squander the time or, you know, move out of home and you wasted all this money and you wasted all your time and you got super stressed. You know, you want to help the next generation of university students, right? Um, I had a picture here. Was it, is, that, you, is it in your life like this, right? You know, you want to be meeting friends. That's, that's a good thing, isn't it? And you want to be studious around one computer. Surely it's not like that, is it? Like, everyone's oh, laughing man. around a computer. It's not like that, is it? But, um, what, what, what happened there? What was that? I don't know. I don't know what's funny. It's torture doing a group assignment, right? No one's laughing when doing a group assignment. You understand But, guys, let's, let's, let's bring it back. Special, special, I did have multicultural people. Anyway, yeah, so, guys, let's bring it back because in verse 4, right? In verse 4. The followers of God, people who are singing the praises of God, like you and I, um, you know, we want to share this special information about God, about this amazing God who's been wonderful and amazing to us, uh, to others. And it says in verse 4, I want to read it, it says, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. You know, it's natural and it's important for Christians believe in what God has done through their lives through the Bible in the mighty acts of Jesus' death and resurrection to be sharing this with the next generation of people 
So in verses 4 and 7, there's some concrete ways to do this. Concrete ways. Verse 4, telling of the mighty acts. Verse 5, speak of the glorious splendor. Meditate on the wonderful works. Verse 6, tell and proclaim the power of these acts. Verse 7, it might not be your, your thing, but sure, celebrate your abundant goodness or his abundant goodness. Joyfully sing of his righteousness. This is one of the reasons why David wrote the psalm. It's his pledge to God to always be praising, always be speaking about God, about what he's done. It's the reason why this psalm, in verses 1 and 2 and 21, it's bookended with the pledge to declare, exalt, declare and praise God. John Piper, he says in the, about Psalm 145, is the education in the exaltation to the gen- next generation in the transmission of God. It's a, it's a fat sentence, right? I'll read it again. The education in the exaltation to the next generation in the transmission of God. That's his summary of Psalm 145. If God has been good to you, like he's been good to me, done amazing things in your life and my life, how will you transmit to the next generation of people who know nothing about Jesus, particularly at uni? You know, I, I personally take it for granted, walking in the corridors, in the courtyards of uni, feeling quite content that I know God. Yep, he's changed my life, he's worked in my life, but I'm hesitant to step out. I'm hesitant to be bold in sharing my faith and sharing what I know about God Sometimes, particularly with local students, who might think it's a bit weird, it's a bit, it's a bit awkward, that I believe in God, that I live it out as a Christian, I actually read the Bible. You know, but, but shouldn't the joy and the wonder of God overshadow that self-consciousness that I have, that awkwardness that I have? Shouldn't it give me freedom? Shouldn't it give you freedom to share how it is in Psalm 145? Like, we're coming up to an AGM in a couple of weeks' time. Um, you know, we're asking students, like yourselves, like, like me, to step up in leadership and join Christian Union. Again, it's another way of expressing the joy, expressing the hope that we have in knowing God, what he's done for us. You know, is it another opportunity again to be able to share the good news that you want to take that opportunity up to the next generation of students who will come to our campus, local and international, in the year 2020? You know, if you'd like to serve somewhere or be involved somehow, come speak to us. Come speak to the community. Bianca, Lydia's here. Write it on your feedback card on the sheet that you can give off. Drop it in the green box up there. You know, I hope, just reading the psalm, Psalm 145, you realise God is so amazing, he's so gracious and compassionate that we should be so compelled to praise him so that people we know will love him and they will praise him like we do.